I need new music. This is the JJO Discover New Music Podcast. Why can't you just please surrender? Surrender what you promised. Surrender what I need. We are here with a very special guest joining me. Uh, you know him as the main drum smacker for Godsmack, Shannon Larkin. Shannon, how are you, my friend? What's happening, man? I'm doing uh, great. Thank you so much for the time. Obviously, we are super excited to talk about the new music, a new album, Lighting Up the Sky, out February 24th. We've already gotten a taste on it. Godsmack is no stranger to hits because you guys had, obviously, that just straight out of the gate, shot out into the atmosphere in 1998. Uh, you took over for drums in 2003. Faceless was the first album, which topped the Billboard 200, went on to get platinum status. Two other albums topped the charts right after uh, with Four and The Oracle. Last The, ad, the last album you guys did, when uh, Legends Rise debuted at the top, uh, had four back-to-back number one singles. Does that uh, put the pressure on you when you make another record? I mean, here you guys are, even though you guys are... The consummate professionals is like, whoa, we got like a high bar that we've set for ourselves. How does that come into play when you make a new album? Well, you know, there's always that pressure. Like when I joined the band, the first two had already, you know, been multi-platinum records. And so the pressure was immediate, you know, (laughs) but by then, you know, it's like you just do the best you can. We're musicians. We all four understand and are on the same page when we're writing songs. And so the songs come together. We record them. We try and get a four-year period in between our records, which was a plan that the genius, my genius, Sully Erna had, and that we could afford to do. Like, most bands don't have the luxury, but, you know, our main badge of pride is is longevity. 20 years with four dudes making successful records doesn't happen much, so that's our biggest proud thing, you know, but... The reason being is because Sully's plan was put records out every four years, one year to write, record, which is plenty of time to do that, and then two years to support, tour, do where we get our reward, which is live. That's what we are, and that's what we do. We're a live band. Always have been. We don't run tape and all that bullshit. And then, you know, a year off. And that that's why I say we're lucky to have had the luxury. Because then, after three years in each other's grill and touring, making records, planes, trains, automobiles, then we just go boom and take a year off from each other. And then, you know, in that year off, we 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 learn who our family and friends and turtles and fish and everything is that we love. And then in that time, we also come up with riffs and licks and ideas for new songs. But, you know, pretty much, you know, we talk every once in a while on the phone in that year. But for the most part, we we get away from it. And so... We've always come back with, you know, a renewed vigor and energy, you know, with new songs and ideas and it's kept it fresh. And so that's the uh, the trick I feel to longevity and trying to keep that pressure of the next record off you, you know, is just stepping back away from it. Then when you go in, of course, yeah, there's pressure, man. You know, you had a number one hit, so you want to get another number one hit, but you never are right, like writing songs for number one hits or something. You know, we just write songs, write songs. You try, we try and write say 15 songs and come up with a 10, 11 song set. That's 45 minutes to 50 minutes of like a body of work, like an album that you can listen to front to back. And it takes you on a, a journey with valleys and peaks, you know? And so that, that's been our thing. We're old school like that. So we've always been lucky. And if it weren't for radio and you guys, I mean, we wouldn't, we would have never made it had we not had radio success. And so and then for the support of the radio over the years, just continued and even got greater as we got older, you know. And and now 
So, uh, you know, we're, we're at the point now where we've announced, you know, final record, and it's not for any other reason except for, as I mentioned earlier, we're, we're a live band, man. And, and so, you know, when you're in the machine and, you, and it becomes, you know, tour, record, tour, record, tour for decades, you know, it, it gets to a point, I feel like where Aerosmith got to, where we were like, you know, when do we have to quit selling shit? Yeah. Like, and just be able to go and play. And yeah, we'll get paid to play live concerts and stuff. But we, you know, we will have a big show and imagine the set we can come up with, you know. And not and not have to do what's called cycle tours, which is like when you're out there and you have to tour, you're you're selling product, you know. And we're lucky we we're at a, a spot where we don't have to really worry about that. Now it's about kicking ass for our fans in concert, which is our favorite thing to do anyway. And we get get paid for it, if, and we'll do it for as long as we feel that we're still young and powerful enough to represent our band and our brand on the stage. Yeah. And then when we do quit and finally say, you know, we're gonna break up, or I doubt that'll ever happen because we'll just quit playing if, if we feel we're too old or something. And and but we'll never do a yeah, this is our final tour. It's a cash cow, and then you know, make them pay you know four hundred bucks a ticket or some shit. We'll never do that. I promise. <laughs> you know, I think there's maybe a lot of people out there worried right now, like, oh my god, we're never going to hear from Godsmack again. Which, like you're saying, is not the case. But that does bring up something because you guys have been very open about this being the last album. Uh, is there a different mindset writing that swan song? Well, you know, there's so many different variables to writing each record, and it's in that first year when we were writing and recording and so everything got turned upside down because that you know we had we were on our fourth number one off legends rise record and we came back from europe and 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 went through christmas and we like we had booked another seven months in 2020 because our song you know our fourth song was screaming up the chart we're like holy shit we can go and play more you know what i mean and so we had all these cool shows booked opening for metallicons and festivals all this cool stuff and then, as you know, the world changed, bam, you know, pandemic and all of a sudden everything shut down. And so we kind of took that as, OK, well, that ends the Legend Rise touring cycle then. So now we'll start our year off. So we'll just take the year off. It's 2020. Everybody, it's screwed anyway. So everybody just stay home and take your year off and then we'll get back on it. 2021, we figured it'd all be over and everything be back normal. And so that, everything would have worked with our four-year schedule. <laughs> Unfortunately, that crap happened and the world changed and Biden, Trump, and the whole, everything just became a shit show. And so in 2021, we're like, well, let's try and write. So we all got together. We wrote for like three or four months into that year. And then there was like personal stuff, tragedy, you know, a breakup. So they got in a breakup. And so he said, I need some time off. And we said, all right. So we took the summer off and just waited for him to just get into a place after a, a long-term breakup. And these things happen, right? And so, but it was meant to be because then he comes back with all these songs that he was inspired from, from heartbreak. That's what happens. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and when it happens to Sully, you know, Robbie and Tony, I am, we're, we're like I said, man, we are dear friends. This isn't a joke. You know, we've been living together for, we're like brothers. And so it sucks when you see your boy and go through this shit. We've all gone through it, right? Um, but Robbie and Tony, I always go, man, because we feel bad for him. But we go, we're going to get some hits out of this one. You know what I mean? Over lining on that. I know you feel it for yeah. your boy, like you said, but you're like, wow, we got some, we got some 
it's good stuff coming. <laughs> yeah. And I swear, man, he came back and we had a good 10, 11 songs written. And we only kept three out of that initial writing session because he, when he came back, he came back with a vengeance and had ideas that were just dope. And we were like, it's on. And the rest of that whole recording, that new record. And again, you know, he writes all the lyrics. It's his band, his vision, his band. He picked all of us, you know, and he writes very relatable hard on your sleeve lyrics he always has i feel that's why we've had success in america on radio because he's like the heavy metal bruce springsteen or something you know he, he he puts his real experiences in the lyrics and so it touches what i feel are our fans you know which is which is where people like us that love music and they're basically blue class working middle class american people you know what mm -hmm. i mean and he touches them because he's not afraid to speak the truth in his music and the new record definitely has lots of personal truth in it. As a result, too, with going in with the feeling of let's make our swan song, as you say, we didn't really go at it like that. But we want, we knew we wanted to make a love letter to our whole career and take aspects from the very first record all the way through the Oracle, you know, uh, Awake, all the records and, and put elements of what we felt has comprised this band over 20 years that make us sound like we sound. And so, you know, which is a, a way, like, I feel like we've gotten finally to the point where when you hear the band on the radio, you'll go, oh, that's Godsmack, you know, even if you haven't heard the song. You know, that's an accomplishment for us. We're proud of that. But again, our big badge of pride is longevity, man. It's so crazy to us that 20 years has passed, man. It was beautifully put. Do you, do you uh, with that said, do you have like a, a favorite track on the album? Maybe one that really speaks to you that you really enjoy or did you, any favorites on there? Yeah, man. I Tony and I, Tony lives like, you know, 10 minutes from me. And so, and I have like a rehearsal studio in the back here, my place. And so he'll come over. It's been Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And so, you know, when you make a record, you make all these songs and it's like, it all comes together in all this material. So you're, you're concentrating on it and then you record it. And then it goes away and goes to mixers and, and all that stuff. And so we don't really hear it. And so by the time months pass and then we get a copy of it, we have to like relearn the song. So Tony's been coming three days a week and we've been playing these songs. And so my favorite so far is this track, Soul on Fire. I think it's side uh, track one or side two. Mm -hmm. And that's the funnest, coolest one for me, for us to jam. It's It's got so much energy. It's so, it's on fire, man. <laughs> but uh <laughs> And the first song on the record, which we released just as a, they call it a teaser track. I don't, I don't know. It created confusion to me. I'm like, what? Uh, so you and I is our second single. And all my friends like, oh, the new single's out. And I'm like, well, I'm told that's not. That's just a, a track that we, I don't know, that the label wants to give them anyway. <laughs> but our second single is dropping the day. And it's this song. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, so I won't. But it's this song that's, oh, I said it. Oh, well. <laughs> People can figure it out then. I didn't say figure anything. it out. <laughs> I didn't say anything. If I'm not supposed to announce that, I don't know. We'll fix it in post. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> anyway, anyway, the, but that song, uh, you and I, is probably the funnest one to play for me on the drums. It's yeah, I love that mid tempo, heavy ass Zeppelin type thing, man, and that's yeah. got it. Why can't you just be surrender? Madison Solid Rock, 94.1 JJO and JJO Discover New Music. Our guest this week is Shannon Larkin of Godsmack. 
talking to us about the new release, Lighting Up the Sky. Do you love the fast song to play, or do you enjoy maybe that one song that's got maybe that that different riff to it? It, 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 Does that all come into effect for you? Yeah, well, you know, a song like Surrender, uh, Soul on Fire, Thousand in the Past is Thousand Horsepower. These are songs that have 16th notes. Do the whole song. You know what I mean? And so, you know, after like, you know, uh, a month or two on tour, it it gets it, to be quite easy because my muscles are everything's ready, used to it and built up for it. But, you know, when we've been playing these songs in the garage, I'm like, wow, OK, I got to get back in shape for this tour coming up. And it's, you know, you got to dig in and it's physical, you know, and they're high energy. A lot of the songs on this record are high energy rock, you know. You know, for me, those kickback songs like you and I, those big fat you know, Zeppelin, like Zeppelin grooves mm-hmm. are fun to play. You know, they're, they're not as taxing and I don't have to push. You know what I mean? So I can kind of kick back because <laughs> I'm still hitting, you know, the hitting is all on the wrist. It's not about strength. You can take somebody, I'm I'm 100 pounds or whatever. And you know, <laughs> I'll show my age here. You can have Lou Ferrigno hit the snare drum as hard as his big ass can, right? And I'll hit it and it'll be louder when I hit it. I know how to hit it, right? <laughs> I love it. Take that, Hulk. You got nothing. You got nothing. Uh, <laughs> for you and your honest opinion, maybe this is a, a wild question to ask, but it, compared to if it is the last Godsmack album, how do you think it stands up in the in the history of Godsmack and the story of Godsmack, in your honest opinion? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it is our last record. At least, you know, with the four of this this band, it's our last record. And uh, and it's our best record. And I know every band says that. But like I said, we, we consciously, Sully, you know, consciously wrote this as a love letter to our whole career. And we've had this recording studio for quite a while. And I, it, store, it started in LA. Well, it ended up when the band kind of took it over. It, we, we took it to Boston and then it ended up in Nashville for a while and then back to Boston. And it turns out that you can have, you know, million dollar studios and all this crap. But, you know, with the way technology went, uh, folks can just make records at home now. And they sound, you know what I mean? Like you don't need these $1,500 a day studios. So this thing ended up being like a huge money loser for us. And every year, because you still got to pay the 10 grand a month in rent on Sunset or whatever it is. And so at the end of the day, we're looking at it and we're like, okay. And Sully uh, said, you know what, guys, let's move. Three of us live in Florida, and he was still up in, in Massachusetts. So he, he said, look, I'm going to come out. I'm going to buy a house there, and we're going to build our, our studio in Florida. So now all four of us you know, have a studio and we can use, and we can make Godsmack Records there. So this was before we were thinking final. And so anyway, we come down, we build this whole super rad, beautiful studio, and we realize final record and all this stuff. And so at the end of the day, we said, you know what? We'll just take it apart ourselves. And so everybody left except for one dude, Vesta, who's been with us forever, even before me. And he's like our assistant, you know. And so everyone was gone but the four of us. And we, with, you know, uh, electric, you know, screwdrivers and, and <laughs> drills. And we, we disassembled everything and took the whole studio apart. All of our Godsmack, just memorable. We had that, like... 
the gargoyles from the awake tour are there and you know all of our stuff and throughout the whole day we started like 9 a.m and by 6 7 that night we had all of our gear i mean took the soundproofing off the walls everything disassembled and piled up against the wall and the four of us just stood there man looking at this gear and it, and it was just a moment of wow this this we're gonna do this guys you know this was our final record and and it was really important in a moment and, you know, the whole history of this band that I'll never forget. Uh, I love it. And thank you for sharing that with us, because I know even though you guys are public figures, there's still that closest, that privateness, uh, that family aspect that is Godsmack, especially when you're with these guys for as many years as you have. And, and uh, it is going to be a treat, man. And we're really, 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 really excited. Well, I'm so happy we got to talk new music. If you have just a few more minutes, I'd love to talk just a few other things with you. Most notably, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I think I'm right because I heard you mention fish and turtles before you are a koi fish and turtle enthusiast is this correct this is very correct what got you into koi fish i mean maybe there's a long story behind this do you have a favorite variety of koi and turtle i'm just that's so intriguing to me i basically uh went through a, a divorce you know and separation and i i bought a house and so i found myself alone after like 20 years of marriage and i got acreage instead of i always lived in suburbia and neighborhoods and i raised a daughter and you know, was that guy with the white picket fence and a pool in the backyard. And then when I left, I realized, you know, I wanted to get some land, like a couple acres, you know what I mean? And I bought this little house and I painted it black, planted with my hands, like all around the whole two acres, like all this bamboo, huge bamboo. And I made this little world for myself. And so the koi pond, I, I pictured Mr. Miyagi's backyard. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And, uh, and you know, so I wanted to do something like that. And one of my friends, one of my brothers is very uh, handy and he builds decks and he's that guy. And so I made this, we we made the koi pond, the, the initial koi pond. And it was only uh, 7,000 gallons and it was like nine by 20. And then we made this elaborate uh, decking system, like Mr. Miyagi style around yeah. it. So, and I got like, you know, different, various statues of different, I'm an occultist. And so, you know, that's, so I'm very spiritual and meditate. So I made zones of meditation and the fish are just natural habilitators to meditation. Like when you're sitting around a waterfall with koi fish, it's easier to get into a meditative state. For certain, you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. part of it. And then over the years, I said, you know what? I want another pond. And so like 175 feet from my koi pond to the back of my yard in the corner, I was going to do another 10,000 gallon one with this fountain in the middle and stuff. And when I talked to my buddy that helps me build my ponds, I, he made a joke. And he was like, well, what if you put a river running through your yard that connects your two ponds? And and he laughed like it was a joke. And I was like, is that doable like this <laughs> and so i did we did i heard this this a uh, third person just the three of us you know we we battled three tropical storms during the digging and making of this what turned out to be a thirty-five thousand gallon two ponds connected with the river through my backyard wow. Wow. and so, anyway, so the, the the initial pond had 11 fish and now i have uh 25 fish lost one in this hurricane one must have got beaten or something under there and it, it ended up floating after hurricane ian struck us you know last month six babies have been born so oh there you go <laughs> yeah and i don't i'm not a breeder or something like i don't i can't tell you i know there's over 70 variety of koi but i I can't tell you which ones mine are. 
I do know a couple of them, you know, from the person I buy it from, but but I know all their faces and names. <laughs> I really do. You, do. Do you have a favorite or or no? Is there one that stands oh, yeah. out to you? Uh, this one, Goldie, I call him Big Boy because he's he's the biggest fish in a pond, and I've had <laughs> it for five years, and he's the only fish in the pond that'll come and just literally eat right out of my hand. And it's awesome. And, and, you know, like people are like fish and I know, I mean, I grew up, I fished all the time. You know what I mean? I yeah, live a whole yeah. fish's mouth, you know what I mean? And, but koi are different and they really do have personality. Each of these fish has their own little personality, their own little quirks. And I, you know, the pandemic, you know, forcing me for the first time in my life since I was 15 to be home, Mm-hmm. I mean, even if we're taking that in that year off, I go somewhere because I had gypsy blood. I've always traveled thousands of miles go beneath me every year since I was 15 up toward. And so I'm 55, you know. And so the pandemic, I didn't know if I was going to want to hang myself. I didn't know what. And so I, when I went into this whole nature thing and the turtles, by the way, my turtle, my turtle world is, is like a zoo, man. And all these, <laughs> it's crazy, you know, and I just fell in love. Like you want to, I'm easily distracted by turtles. You know what I mean? It's, it, they're, they're crazy cool to me and all the different, I've gotten, gotten them from all over the world now. These, they're crazy. It's crazy. I, and I realized the pandemic, you know, certain things are good about it and it made me, at least know that, you know, I'm a sober man. I've been, a, I haven't drank in over seven years. And, you know, I had my issues with that crap alone. And, you know, I was always afraid, you know, that if I wasn't constantly moving, that I'd resort to drinking again. And the pandemic proved to me it's that's not true, you know, and happiness is within. And I just, by finding these, these amazing animals over the last four or five years, period, has changed me as I age in such a better way, you know, like any kind of anxiety attacks and panic and any kind of those feelings that you feel like before you have to leave everything you love for a year on tour or something, you know, this starts to go away because now, you know, it's it's a calming thing to me. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's a, a personal thing, but it's also really cool. And you don't not every day you get to talk with the drummer of a hard rock, heavy metal band who also has a Zen area full of koi fish and turtles. So I think that's very interesting. And I appreciate you sharing that. Madison Solid Rock 941 JJO. I'm Brock and my guest for JJO Discover New Music this week is Shannon Larkin of Godsmack. The new release Lighting Up the Sky is what we're highlighting this week on Discover New Music. So if you don't mind, I want to dig into your past a little bit more. Way back, uh, you've been a part of bands like Ugly Kid, Joe, Amen. But I want to go all the way back to where it really began, and that is Wrathchild, which had to change your name to Wrathchild America due to legal issues. Where does Shannon from Wrathchild and Shannon from Godsmack meet? Well, when I first wanted to be a musician, I knew it uh, by the age of like eight or nine. And when I got my first drum set at I think nine, I might have been 10 when I've got my first actual drum set. Uh, but I already knew how to pl- I've been beaten on everything that <laughs> on before that. And I had the rhythm. I had I, I wanted drums. Well, a friend of mine uh, had gotten a guitar and his name was Terry Carter. And it turned out. And so within a year, the both of us could play like ACDC and Sabbath and all the things we were listening to. This is like 1976, you know. Mm-hmm. And Kiss, you know, Kiss. We learned every Kiss song, every ACDC song. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's how we kind of taught ourselves to play. And then we met 
you know, these two dudes that were older, they were like 17 and 18. So they could, you know, come in and, and teach us how to be rockers, you know, and, and turn us on to all this other music, blues, all this stuff, Pink Floyd. And so, you know, by the time I was 20 and Terry was 22, we had we had been Wrathchild by that point for 12 years and wow. we signed to Atlantic. And so, you know, and and so Wrathchild was my like my teacher of what how to play music, how to play for the songs, how to always keep my idols in my humble heart, you know, and try not to rip off my my idols, but always emulate and trying to achieve like everything my idols have got. I mean, my idols were Neil Peart and, and you know, John Bonham and Peter Chris and, you know, all these these guys that achieve really, really high levels, you know, in the business. And so we had no clue, man, when we got signed and went in to make records. If I if Terry and I would have known what we know now, you know, back then, then perhaps the, the future would have changed and things would have ended up differently. But the cool part about this whole thing, dude, and you mentioning Wrathchild, is that especially being since it's Godsmack's last record, I'm going to make records. And, you know, I have a, a side project and Terry Carter has joined me. Oh, wow. All these years. So Terry from Wrathchild, this is the first time I've said it, I, I, I wanted to make, I'm, I'm going to make a press release. I don't know, uh, you know, if I'm letting a cat out of the bag, but I have to say it because you brought up Wrathchild. Most people don't know who, who we even were, you know, except for a, a lot of my peers, you know, but yeah, I'm back with Terry Carter, the dude that like, I wrote my first song with when I was 12, yeah. you know what I mean? So this is an exciting time in my life because then now the next couple of years and I will release something with Terry this year, but we're not going to be able to support it and tour it. Cause I got to be, you know, on tour supporting this lighting up the sky thing. And we're going to do this as long as we feel like it. Uh, we hope to tour two years and play everywhere <laughs> lighting up the sky. We're going to light up the sky, <laughs> but I will put out the, the band. I I'm still, not saying the name of it yet. I got to mm -hmm. save something. I got to yeah. save some kind of mystery. <laughs> I got Terry effing Carter. And if I, he was always a prodigy. He was that dude, like when we were in school in like 1978 and Van Halen one came out. And you know how it is musicians like, you know, if I can play 2112 in its entirety, I'm the shit at school. That's it. I'm the guy. You know what I mean? All the other drummers are like, oh, God, he can play 2112. So, you know, of course, for guitar players, it, it became the thing was eruption. All of a sudden, no one had heard guitar like that. Ed was changing it, right? Yeah, yeah. And so all the kids are all struggling. How's he doing that? And Terry Carter had it in like three days. Oh, could, man. You know? That dude's a prodigy, you know, but, uh, but the coolest part is it's also, he's, he's a blues guy at heart and he can play. He's, we're going to shake some, shake some feathers, man, out there. <laughs> well, I'm glad I dug in just a little bit and I'm glad you gave us a little taste. And for everyone, uh, if you want, if you're a metalhead or just a, a rock fan at all, go check out climbing the walls from 1989. If you want a nice, if you want to feel like you're back in there and you got the leather jacket on and the cut up jeans and just uh, it's, it's a treat, man. And I was listening to it all while I was prepping for the interview and just was getting a kick out of it, man. So uh, go check it out, everyone. And then maybe we'll hear more from uh, you and Terry in the near future. Of course, once we're done uh, just uh, destroying the world with the latest Godsmack record, lighting up the sky again, February 24th. You have been just uh, such a, a joy to talk with and such a pleasure. And I appreciate you opening up with us. Before we go, though, I have to do this with everyone. This is called Rapid Fire. Uh, I'm just going to hit you with some quick questions. There's no wrong answers. You just go with your gut. 
we'll learn a little bit more about you. All right. Sound good? Good. All right. First one, uh, a little too hot or a little too cold? Hot. A little too hot. A Florida guy, down in Florida, that makes sense. Uh, would you rather have a Flintstone push pop or a Choco Taco? Choco Taco. That's my man. God, I knew I knew I liked you. Uh, would you rather see Bigfoot or El Chupacabra? Oh, man. Bigfoot. Have you ever felt like you've been close to seeing a Bigfoot? No, but I've seen an alien. Yeah? Well, we might have to save that for a different day. We don't have enough time, but I do want to learn more about that next time we chat. Uh, would you rather fight a man with bear arms or a bear with man arms? A bear with man arms. <laughs> Uh, it was quick on that one. Some people think about that one. Some people think about that one. Oh, would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? I would do the little horses. <laughs> Might be able to stomp on them, you know. You just give them a little kick. <laughs> all right, I think that's all I got for you, uh, Shannon. Thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it, brother. Well, thank you, Brock. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to interview me, man. This is the JJO Discover New Music Podcast. Listen, rate, share, subscribe. Discover new music now at WJJO.com in the JJO app or wherever you get your podcasts. Rock has a new interview every Thursday evening between 6 and 7. 941 JJO.